how do you monetize creativity and creativity is one of it's a beautiful thing but it is one of those things that's very hard to for people to put a price on and as an artist that's what you need to be able to do you need to be able to develop the skills to say my creativity is worth this much and you need to be able to justify why someone would want to pay that much in 1837 Horace Mann created the education system a system at the time designed to pump out factory workers and professors the same system that is still being used today in the 21st century now Mann's system is backfiring we are being molded by the same industrial system that has existed for close to 200 years that system delivers us into a digital economy that has no need of our outdated skills this isn't our teachers fault this isn't the government's fault this is due to a rapidly changing world full of technology and unforeseen circumstances and us gen z's are caught in the middle welcome to the driven young podcast podcast for stressed overwhelmed young Australians teaching you practical life skills you can implement now to set yourself up in life and now your host Byron Dempsey Welcome back to the Driven Young podcast and today we are talking all things creativity and how to make it in the creative field Going into a creative field often has a very unclear pathway especially if you're trying to build your personal brand and reputation as an artist a designer a filmmaker etc This is why today I'm joined by James Patrick James is a full-time artist and has been for the past 7 years. Spending his time on detailed artworks at home or massive murals in the city, James has been able to successfully monetize his creativity and build a significant following online of over 30,000 people. In today's episode we talk about is art school worth it? How do you make it as a creative today? How much is your creativity worth? Why people will hate you no matter how good you are? How to monetize your creativity? The importance of marketing yourself? Should we be a creative first? or a marketer first and so much more. As per usual, feel free to DM myself or DM James on Instagram. If you enjoy the show or enjoy this episode, please consider leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts that really helps me out. And you can help support the show by buying me a coffee at the bottom of the show notes and all of our social media handles are linked in the show notes as well. Now, over to James. James, welcome so much to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Really excited to have an artist on the show. You're the first one I've had on, which is kind of why I thought it'd be great for us to link up and have a chat. Yep. Um, and so we're going to talk about the creative industry, the art world, filmmaking, uh, art, what it, whatever it is in that yep. creative world. We're going to dive into how do we monetize that? How do we pursue that as a career? Because it's very non-linear. But before we jump into that, I'd love to know a little bit about your story, You know sure. who you are and what you did after high school. Yeah, for sure. So when I finished school and as a youngster, I always knew that art was my thing. I was always drawing in every single class uh, in the side of my textbooks were flick pages and that's basically all I ever did. I spent a majority of my time drawing. When I finished school, there wasn't Facebook, there wasn't any of the social media and stuff like that. Um, so it was very difficult for me to figure out how can I – um, pursue a career in art. I had mm. no idea what to do. Where do you even start? Yeah, well, there was no... The only ideas that I had at that point was I liked comics, so potentially maybe I could draw comics, but a lot of that industry was in the US and I had no idea how you would even break into that. Mm. And at that stage when I was 17 and 18 years old, I didn't feel like I was a good enough of an illustrator compared to the, what I, the comics that I was buying. And then the gallery system, you know, maybe get my art into a gallery. But what I was drawing was very unconventional 
gothic style like Spawn and um, different types of comics like that. So I was really quite lost. And my parents said, well, maybe study art, maybe go to university and study art. So I went to University of Western Sydney. I did about a year and a half, at, at about a year and a half studying, close to two years. I just knew it wasn't for me because there was a, a few subjects that I enjoyed, but a majority of it I just didn't enjoy because um, I like to just create things in my own way. And sometimes when we were forced to study things that didn't seem like my style. Mm. I couldn't see how is this going to benefit me? How mm. is this going to uh, make me money? There was no idea of like, well, okay, I'm studying this artist, but how is that going to be relevant to me selling my art? What do they teach in art school? Do, do they not teach you how to monetize? Do they not teach you strategies like that? No, no, it there seems was nothing pretty really, important. Yeah, there was no real, there was no real even discussion about it when I was studying. I studied at a BA of Fine Arts, and it was I don't know what it's like now, but there was no real discussion of well, how do you sell your art? Mm. How do you create art, and how do you market yourself as an artist? You know, 50% of business is marketing. Yeah, so you could be a fantastic painter, but if you go out of art school and you don't know how to market yourself and to get people interested in and, and explain why your work is different from somebody else and why it's important mm. and why someone may want to buy it, then you have a skill, but, you know, you're not going to make a living. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. that's, I guess, a goal that most artists just want to make a living. They're not trying to be millionaires or anything. It's like, if I can just make a living through art, I'll be happy. Yeah. Because it's very difficult to even make a full-time income just through your art. Well, there's not really, for a lot of people, and even to this day, there's not really a roadmap. Like online, a lot of the questions that I get on social media is, how do I turn this into a full-time job? And how do I monetize my passion? And and there isn't really a large resource of information out there. You have to really be proactive and try to find it. And for me, it took years and years and years to even just sort of hustle my way through mm. trying to get people to to collaborate with different brands um, because, sure, you want to be technically good as an artist, but there is many, many, many people that I follow online who create brilliant works, but they do it as a hobby, and I believe they do it as a hobby because they haven't been able to figure out a path to to make it a full-time career. Mm, of course. That's when a lot, lot of people start a side hustle or a hobby yeah. and the goal is to turn that into a full-time career, but they've got to work their main job while they do that. Yeah. That's how I did the podcast, right? I was working a main job while I had the podcast running on and after like a year and a half, I managed to switch that. Yeah. And it's very hard to get to that space, mm, but it's you know, beautiful if you can get there. Um, and I think I mentioned this to you, you know, just before we started the interview, it's the path pathways are linear and non-linear. Yeah. So to be a doctor, lawyer, an engineer, it's... Although it's going to be a very difficult pathway, it's kind of clear on how to get there. Yeah. If you want to be a doctor, you have to go to university. So mm. it's a clear pathway, which is safe and secure. Yeah. So people know, okay, this is how to get there. If I do this, I will get this. Sure. You're going to have to work hard and study yeah. really hard and put in the hours and work for years and years. Yeah. But it's a clear pathway. 100%. Versus art, filmmaking, a lot of different careers nowadays. It's like, well, how do we get there? Because mm. going and studying an art degree does not guarantee you're going to be an artist. Mm. Studying a film degree doesn't mean you're going to be the next director. Yeah. The next Steven Spielberg. How do you get there? How do you monetize creativity? And creativity is one of, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, but it is one of those things that's very hard to, for people to put a price on. Mm. 
And as an artist, that's what you need to be able to do. You need to be able to develop the skills to say, my creativity is worth this much. And you need to be able to justify why Mm. someone would want to pay that much. Which is incredibly hard to do, especially for young people. Yeah, you know, if you're, you're 17 years old, it's like... Self-doubt, yeah, imposter 100%. monster. I'm only 17, I can't charge $500 for an artwork. Why not? 100%. If people are willing to pay for it and you're a good artist, why not? 100%. That sort of thing, right? We see artworks go for millions of dollars. Yeah, So why 100%. can't you sell yours that you spent 10 hours on for 500 bucks or something? 100%. And so that's where we can, we'll get into this into detail. But before we do, just love to know, you know, going back to your story, you finished, you went to art school, and then what were the next steps after that? So when I was at art school... I was studying and working and I was working in a restaurant and I found it quite difficult to manage, um, you know, studying and working full time as, as a lot of people do. And I got offered to do a job, uh, doing door to door sales and it was a Tuesday, I remember. And somebody said, look, come try this job because then you don't have to work on the weekends. You can just work a couple of hours after thing. You sell alarm systems door to door with people and it's all commission. There's no, um, base or per hour rate, not what you were getting in the restaurant. So I thought, oh, that's a bit scary, but I'll I'll give that a go. And the first, I think it was the first or the second day that I went out, I made a sale and I made $200 and I was like, oh, wow. So now I can work smarter and figure out this and get more confidence in talking to people. And I could have my weekends where I can still study and still have a bit of a social life. So Mm. basically sort of finishing up uni in that period, I really started to get into sales um, you know, I, for, for about five to 10 years, I was selling cars, doing all sorts of different sales, um, just to develop my confidence and also got really interested in how people work and, and marketing and all those sort of aspects. Um, and so I was doing that for a long period of time and I thought, well, maybe this is a career and I can do my art on the side. And As I was mentioned like a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause I still hadn't really figured out. And I didn't have the confidence in my work. But this happens to so many artists you'll see. Yeah. It's, it's very rare if you meet someone who's full-time as an artist. It's yeah. very difficult to do. Yeah. Because what is, you know, what's the value of your creativity of your artwork and demand and all these different things? Well, I think also I got asked a question um, this morning I responded to on TikTok that was very interesting. And it was by a young person and they said, um, uh, I, I'm in a situation at the moment where I keep drawing something and I keep erasing it because I hate it and I think it's horrible and what do I do? And it's funny when I was looking at it, I was sort of felt like I was almost talking to my younger self. Mm, yeah. And even these, even now, I'm 38 years old and even now there's periods where I'll be drawing something and I'll get halfway through it and I'll be like, oh, I hate this. It's just, I just hate it. And the advice I gave to that person and the, the advice that I give to anybody else is that you're going to hate parts of your work but focus on finishing you don't want to develop a habit of working on something and then quitting because what you'll do is you just won't finish in the artwork. Finish a bad artwork and move on to the next one, you know. And then once you develop this habit of finishing all your artworks, some won't be you won't be happy with, but there will be a few in there that you'll be like, wow, that's awesome. And, and here's the thing. Even if you hate your artwork, someone else might love it. That's it. Yeah. We're our own worst critics. Yeah. We, we are the toughest person mm. in the world on ourselves, right? Yeah. There's no one else that's tougher on ourselves than us. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like I used to feel like that was a bad thing, but I feel like as an artist it can be a good thing because what 
being tough on yourself does. It forces you to keep pushing and to keep wanting to be better. If you're tough on yourself and you just quit, okay, that's not good. Mm. Um, or if you have people around you, I mean, it must be really difficult for young artists on social media. I still sometimes get, I don't get many hate comments, but I get some people that will say, oh, that's really crap or something like that. And I think, Jesus, like, how would have I handled that if I was a 17-year-old drawing? Mm. You know, now, you know, I get 99% of the comments are great and you get that one comment. But if you're just learning to draw and you're developing those skills, um, that must be very, very difficult. But You shatter uh, your self-belief. Yeah, and I think, I think, um, I think young people – you know, just realize that not everybody's going to like your art. That doesn't that doesn't really mean anything. anything. You do, mm. not everyone's going to like it. Yeah, if you're making 100%. videos, social media content, if you're making art, anything you really do in life, not everyone's going to like it. Yeah, I heard a thing. It's like if you imagine, whenever you meet someone, one in ten people you meet are going to hate you. If you have mm. that mindset, so one in ten people you meet, one will hate you. Yeah, and it's like that's the reality. And that's and you're not going to connect with everyone. And look, I get a lot of hate comments as well. Once again, majority of mine are positive. Yeah. But some videos, you know, will be full of, you know, it's not even hate, but it's like trolling. You know, just yeah. just stupid comments. And it, yeah. And it affects me. And I'm 22, and I'm like, you know, if I was younger, would this hurt even more? It's, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I try not to. I I've only ever responded to two hate comments on on. TikTok and on Instagram, I haven't really responded to any. And I only responded to two different ones because I thought there was something that I could say or I could do here. But and it's funny when you do respond to a hate comment, someone someone commented saying, Oh, you can't draw. And I posted sort of like a montage of all my best work. And a lot of people were sort of saying, Oh, you know, that guy's blind. They were, they were, and then I sort of felt bad and I sort of felt like I'm dragging this person that said that. Yeah. But then that person replied i don't know i'm assuming they were a young person and they said oh i was just joking around you know you called him out yeah and so i feel like a lot of the people i hope a lot of the people that are uh, posting hate comments on people doing creative stuff are just young people that don't they don't have that social awareness but this keyboard warriors as soon as you confronted yeah. him he collapsed yeah they and i ne- think never I say think, this stuff in your face yeah 100 percent. i think i try to I try to confront them, but I try to confront them in a way where I give them, unless they're saying something really, yeah, really yeah. horrible, which I don't I haven't got much of that yet. I mean, maybe I'm not popular enough <laughs> yet, and maybe it's coming. But I try to educate, and if they just say something completely horrible and there's nothing to gain, I just leave it. Yeah. But yeah, like I'm 38. If I was 17 years old and I was drawing something, and I had 50% of the people saying, "Oh, that's a horrible drawing." That would really affect me. Yeah. And fact is, you, at 17, you might be pretty bad. It might yeah. be a horrible joy. Well, always. I would be, yeah. 100%. But that's how you get to where you, you want to be. 100%. If you want to be a great artist, you've got to start off some, somewhere. Yeah. And so if people are slamming you and you just you know stop right there, you could be giving up an entire career. You could be an incredible artist. Yeah. And it's hard because you need to, like the advice I'd give to young people now is to put your stuff on social media because that's how you can grow. Because mm. when I was growing up before... When I went to university, it was like, how can I get people to see my work? And now you can put things on social media and there's a lot of artists doing, a lot of young artists doing really, really cool stuff. A lot of creative people. Um, there's the guy on TikTok that's popular from spinning things. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's yeah, just random things. Yeah, yeah, there's so many. Like I think he's got 1.4 million followers or something. So it's like, you know, you can have this creative idea and everybody could go, oh, that's, you're not going to. 
you know, you're not going to make a living from that, but I'm sure he's making a living from it. You can make a living from whatever you want. Yeah. And that's a big message I put on the show. Yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk released a book called Crushing It, which is basically just case studies of random people making lots of money doing random things. Mm. There's people who make money cutting open things. They've got a YouTube channel yeah. where they cut open things. Yeah. And brands will send, pay them lots of money, send them their products just so they can cut it open. Yeah. Right? So it's like the most random, you know, I like to use this example, which I've completely just made up. Like imagine if you're into elephants. You know, you're a young girl at high school, you're into elephants. How can you make a career around elephants? Well, let's say you go and you start studying zoology or something. Okay, great. You're studying zoology. You've got three years of studying. What could you do in that three years? What if you start an Instagram account called The Elephant Girl or something and you started posting random facts about elephants and then, you know, whenever there's elephant awareness stuff, you shared those and you part- and then a brand reaches out to you and you say- you're partnering with other Instagram accounts about elephants and you-, yeah. you share your stories about what you're learning in class and whatever it is. And then David Attenborough's doing a piece on elephants yeah. and he wants to interview you because you're a young you know girl who wants to raise awareness for elephants or something suddenly you're on a documentary yeah and you can make an entire living about elephants because yeah. that's what you love yeah you know you might not be making millions of dollars but if you're making like 75k a year that's it that's all you need yeah you don't you don't need you don't need to be famous and you don't need when i was younger and i think a lot of young people have this idea that um, success is determined by having millions of dollars and having a Ferrari and having all this sort of stuff. I realigned my goals as I got older to, you know what, I want to draw for a living. Mm. I don't need to make a million dollars. Sure, it's great if I make a million dollars. But if you if you go into it thinking I want to make a million dollars from my art, like you're here and that idea is all the way up here and it, and it's it's just unfathomable. It's a bad expectation you're setting on yourself. Yeah, you're putting too much pressure. It's yeah. like sort of going to the gym and saying, oh, I want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, sure, everyone wants to be motivated by somebody who who has achieved greatness. But maybe going to the gym and say, you know what, I'm going to do half an hour. You know, you know what, do I'm going to do again. If I do three push-ups today, next week I want to do four. Yeah. And the week after that I want to do five. That's it. That's and it. And then six and then yeah. seven. And then Build eight. those habits. And being able to draw for a living like, and make the salary that somebody else makes just doing a normal job, like that's that's my success. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like that's my success. And you keep working and obviously you want to earn more money and things like that. But with creativity, there is that line that you need to dance between making money and taking jobs but also staying true to what you believe in as a creative because you don't want to obviously walk that line of like, okay, you're making all this stuff but you hate it and you're not exactly. enjoying the process. Yeah. And like I have a, I have a question that could be um, yeah, a little bit intense. But, <laughs> I mean, look, because just people know my beliefs on the show but I would yep. ask, you know, you mentioned you don't know what an art degree is like now. Yep. But would you recommend an art degree to someone who wants to be an artist or would you say – Maybe even go learn how to do marketing, learn social media, because if you can be really good at marketing social media and you're also working on your art skills, that's a big win. An example I use, this might be my biggest advice to an artist. Yep. A young, if I, I've had a young artist come to me, they did graphic design, they did drawings and stuff. Yep. And I've said this to some people, I'd say spend the next year creating art, film it all, put it on TikTok. Mm. And just grow your brand through that. Because number yep. one, you're probably going to grow your brand, which is great. You get brand awareness. People are going to start recognizing you and knowing yep. you as an artist. Number two, if you don't get a single follower, you've just been the, spent the entire year creating art, which means you've now improved your skills massively. Mm. You've got a huge portfolio. You can now leverage. So there's so many benefits to it. And I think that would be – that's such a easy thing you could start doing now. And you can develop marketing skills and artist skills at the same time. So like what, what do you reckon is a great next step for someone who's graduating high school and wants to be an artist? I would say 
if you're graduating high school and you want to be an artist, I think... And anyone in the creative space, by the way. Well, yeah, any sort of creative space. I don't think you necessarily need to go to university. Um, You do need to refine your skills. So that might be... I mean, on YouTube, there is a lot of tutorials. The University of YouTube is incredible, right? Yeah, well, I get a lot of the time I'll get people ask me, how do I draw this? How do Mm. I draw that? And it sort of... It doesn't upset me, but it just makes me realize, like, when I was when I left school, there wasn't YouTube, there wasn't any of that stuff. So it was like I bought books and stuff, and I learned from books, which is great. It is a little bit harder, but it was it was good. But it's if you want to figure out how to draw anything, um, you can almost find it on YouTube. And so I want to learn mm-hmm. how to draw a realistic eye. You do that, you do that, you do that. You develop your core skills. Um, and then alongside that, I would say, yeah, learning how to market yourself, learning how to brand, uh, like branding, listening to people like Gary Vaynerchuk, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. I've drawn a lot of inspiration from him and from other salespeople when I, when I did sales when I was younger. And the way that I sort of, sort of wedged my way in, um, was, it's not a long story, but it's a short story. Um, I was doing sales and I went to northern China. My partner is from northern China where it's like minus 40 degrees and I don't speak Chinese and I was there for two months. This is the first time I'd ever been to China. I was there for two months and it was freezing and I was like in a place where no one spoke English. So I sort of mm. had and, – and I couldn't get on – at that time, I didn't know about VPNs and stuff. So I wasn't on social media. So I had sort of like a two-month – detox from social media from talking to anyone obviously my partner and i would speak to her but everyone else was speaking chinese and i i at that time i was sort of thinking about what do i want to do like i'm doing sales i'm earning good money here but art's really what i want to do and then i thought to myself there's a sort of rule in sales called you know law of averages if you Mm. if you approach enough customers you will get a sale and you figure out you can figure it out with yeah, any every, sales model. For every 10 customers you approach, you get two sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can figure that sort of thing out. And then um, the good thing with that is once you start focusing on the numbers, you know, well, if I approach 300 people, I'll get 10 sales as opposed to sort of saying, oh, that person rejected me. Yeah. And so I thought, why am I not using this for my art? Like why am I not proactively – why am I waiting for customers to come to me? So when I came back to Australia, I've still got – the book, I've got a couple of them now. And I said, I'm going to contact um, over 100 people and I'm just going to say to them, I want to do a collaboration with you, some art collaboration or whatever. I actually ended up contacting, it took me a bit over 300 people. And what I did is I just came up with like a little email template. template. I changed the names and things like that. And I did it through email. I did it through Instagram. Instagram was really good then. It's a little bit harder now to actually get people to see stuff. Mm. Um, and I did it through Facebook. And out of those three, it's a little bit over 300, but after I'd sort of sent them out, it takes time for people to come back. And I got my first um, sort of substantial live art project. And that was for G-Star Raw. And they basically emailed me back. They were managed by um, an Australian company, like it was sort of like a franchise company. And they said, I said, I want to do an illustration, a live artwork, collaboration with your brand. I just wanted to align my art with a brand that had some cachet. So I was like, how would it work? They're like, how would it work? I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I need to think of something. I need to think of something that's bananas. So 
they had a flagship store in Sydney, uh, right opposite where this old cinemas used to be, like basically right on George Street. And I said, if you can set me up in that window, I'll do an illustration. And they had an old uh, campaign, which was the skeleton of a greyhound. And I, I used to, I love drawing skeletons and gothic things. And I said, I'll stipple the whole artwork. So I'll draw it all with dots. And the whole idea is that their branding is um, G-Star Raw. It's like the denim is raw. It's untreated and stuff like that. Mm. So I said, well, this is a raw artwork. People are watching it come to life. Mm. So that so there was a lot of synergy in the whole idea there. And so they said to me, okay, well, how long would this artwork take? I was thinking, oh, I don't know. I've never done anything. <laughs> like this is a three-meter thing. And so I just said, oh, it'll take a week, you know. And that was me thinking, yeah, I will just work as much as I can. I was ended up being there for three weeks. Like the first week I was like, I've still got more to go, but they were just loving it. And in that location, I got paid. Well, I probably shouldn't say how much I got paid, but I didn't get paid much mm. for that because it was the first time. And I didn't, I didn't really care about getting paid much, but I wanted to get paid something because I feel like, um, even if you get paid $50, for example, you should try to charge something for your creativity because if you charge nothing, people won't value, mm. value it. And if people can't pay a small amount, then who cares? So I got them to pay, agree on a certain amount. And I said, I want to have some vouchers so we can do some promotions and stuff. So they gave me a thousand dollars in vouchers. And I thought, well, that'll be a good way online to get people to watch it. All the money that I made from that, I spent on the video. Mm. Um, so I hired a vid- videographer and stuff. And that after I finished that project, so many people were like, wow, I saw you in the city drawing, which was great. The video didn't go bonkers or anything. I think to this day it's only got ten or 15,000 views. But the point of this was I had a bit of recognition. People were like, wow, I saw you drawing mm. in G-Star Raw. And then after that, once that video was made, I took that video on YouTube link and I changed my email and I said, hey, I just finished a collaboration with G-Star Raw. And so then I started sending again and then i got my next one and then, and then as you can I, charge way more because you've already got and then, proof. The, then i started to add more and more and then i got black milk and then i got this project and that project and so as i started to have a few videos that i could show people so they could see oh wow this is how it works and it was funny because when i sent the video and it was me stippling this artwork, you know, almost getting RSI because my hand was yeah, so yeah. sore from the whole thing. I can imagine. I sent it to Black Milk and they said, oh, great. Okay, so for our one, will you do stip- will you st- do dots as well? And I, I was thinking, oh, okay, I'll do the same <laughs> thing. But then the next company said, oh, okay, let's do dots again. I said, no, it has to be something different. Mm. It has to be has to because I don't want to end up in this hole. Once you're three in, it's not a coincidence. Now it looks like that's your that's brand. That's my your brand and my style, yeah. yeah. So, um, and yeah, from that I did ones with, um, pie face. I painted portraits with tomato sauce live in um, in a pie face in the city, which was yeah, a cool yeah. collaboration. Um, I painted with coffee for um, the coffee festival, and a lot of those projects weren't specifically my style, but that was me. Well, they're going to pay me to experiment with my creativity. Mm. Um, and some did really well, some did poorly, but as I did more, I had more of a portfolio, and it was sort of like they were paying me to develop my portfolio. Yeah, pretty much. That's the way you do it. You know, you just got to step by step by step. Yeah. And I think what's important is you're willing to take a low a low fee for your first job. Yeah, 100%. Not only that, but you're willing to invest that low fee you got into a videographer. Yeah. Which is crucial. Because if yeah. you hadn't had the videographer, 
You have no. a few pictures and stuff, but it's not as marketable. But having yeah. a videographer, that's you get, get out there. Then you get the next one. You do you know, up up your price by fifty percent. Mm. They're still not paying you much, but you can get another one. Once you've got two, three, four, five. Once you've got five, you can send that to sponsorships. Yeah, you're clearly an established artist who works with lots of brands, and you can charge a lot more money. Yeah, and bang, now you're full time artist. Yeah, 100%. and so I think you've got to be willing in anything you're doing: entrepreneurship, business, art, creativity. Gary Vaynerchuk says, "Eat shit now." Have caviar later. Yeah. You've got to be willing to make the sacrifices early on. Mm. I didn't get paid. I still haven't really been paid for this podcast. I, I just landed my first sponsorship last week. Yeah. Um, but like I went 18 months without an income. Mm. And that's fine. I'm not complaining, but I just yeah. need people to realize that's what people are willing to do. Yeah. And then I'll say, you know, you should be willing to work for free. And I'll be like, no, they're, t- people, they're taking advantage of you. Don't, you know, charge for your worth. And it's like, yeah, but when you have no portfolio and you've got nothing to charge, you're not really worth anything yet. The creative space is you need to build a portfolio. So, yeah, you could charge for what you're worth if you have the portfolio or you could get paid to develop your portfolio. So you're not really sort of charging maybe what you're worth per se, but you're getting paid to experiment and try things that you might not necessarily have done before. But that's what I'm saying like TikTok, right? So say you start building that TikTok, you're doing a, instead of going to university, you start creating designs on TikTok, maybe you land one unpaid sponsorship or something mm. where they, you know, you, you work with a brand. Yeah. You, you do that. You do, you create that. You post it on your TikTok. The brand gets it. They're happy with it. Now you reach out to another brand because you can use them as leverage. 100%. And this could be video making. This could be filmmaking. This could be art, you know, artists, whatever type of art, whatever type of creativity, yep. photography, all that sort of stuff. That's where you can start building your portfolio. And then you can start, as you mentioned, charging yep. to build your portfolio. Yeah. So that's a, that's a mindset shift. Yeah. Instead of going, I'm working for free, I'm actually making money to build my portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. Instead 100%. of paying a university or paying to, to learn to a, a course or something. Yeah. Which is still good. Like you can do online courses, you can do university and stuff. But I think it's such a great way to look at it. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was in these industries, I'm a big advocate of, you know, who you know, not what you know. Yep. Um, how has, you know, you found networking and getting in with that? How has that benefited you in your creative space? Um, networking is good, but it's it's difficult. I find it get it's getting more difficult because a lot of people these days host networking events where they're really just a lot of people trying to sell you their own products, you know? Like they're yeah. like, I'm going to a networking event. So I don't talk about that on the show. I talk about a different type of networking, yeah. more genuine connections like clubhouse i was mentioning to you yep it's just genuine connections no yeah. one's trying to sell anything we're just wanting to connect yeah right now especially in the time of covid everyone is craving connection 100 mm, percent. it's and other other we mentioned this as well other artists there's not that many in no. this in, in australia especially so it's like when you meet them you want to connect yeah. like, i don't want to sell with you i want to connect i want to share my audience with you i want to gain you know listeners from you or whatever it is and you know partner partner up well i think I think also like what's worked for me personally and everybody I think approaches this differently, but it's good to network and um, collaborate with somebody who's doing um, videography, photography and things like that, especially if you're an artist because there can be, you know, you can pay them to create stuff or there can be a way where, um, you know, if you're getting a sponsorship deal, you can split a portion with them mm. and having someone film you is much better than I've done a lot of my projects filming myself. Um, cause I've tried to develop that skills as well. Um, but it is so much easier to just focus on your work and have someone film you if you can do that. Um, but I think it's just 
um, networking with like-minded people that mm-hmm. have that sort of go-getter approach. So I don't necessarily approach it like I want to network with other artists or people that are in a, the same space as me. Um, some friends are lawyers. Some friends are all, all different types of fields. But they have a, a different approach to things, and that complements me well. They might be a little bit more of an analytical thinker. So mm-hmm. when I say to them, oh, I've got this problem and I'm trying to figure this out, um, their brain is wired a little bit differently. Um, but, yeah, I do find it it is difficult, but for me the way I network is, I one, I don't go to networking events. Yeah, And I. I just, in social settings, I just try to see, I guess I'm probably more introverted um, just in general because I spend majority of my time sitting yeah, in yeah. drawing, but I just try to get a vibe for people over time. Some I play soccer, so some people I've met through there um, that have turned out to have really good insights in my work. Um, and Clubhouse, like you're saying, I'd be interested to look into that mm. and see. Well, as an artist, Clubhouse is a great place to go because I know I talk about on the show, you see a little call to action for your life. Yep. When you, whenever you meet someone at soccer, at a barbecue, what's your little one sentence so they can help you? So for you, it's like, you know, look, I'm just looking to get my art out there. I'm looking for brands that want, you know, to work with artists. Yeah. Like, oh, actually, I know, I know a brand that might be interested in working with an artist. Let me introduce you to this person or whatever. Yeah, okay. You're not trying to sell yourself. Yeah. You just say, when you just have, whenever you're talking, you just throw it in the conversation. Yeah, and that's interesting. 90% of the time, no one will say anything. Like, oh, that's awesome. You know, yeah. good luck with that. Cool. Yeah. But, you know, always be networking or always, you know, kind of have that on. The one time you meet your uncle's brother or something or your, which I guess is your other uncle. Yeah. <laughs> Your uncle's whatever, your uncle's friend or whatever it is, you'll meet them and bang you in. And so, yeah, I mean, I know a few people in the creative industry and from what I see, like, everything we've spoken about is so important. We haven't even spoken about art skills, right? Yeah. We haven't really spoken about developing your skills that much. Well, skill, art skill and if someone is a good artist or a bad artist, it's all subjective. Exactly. You know, there's a, there's a, there's an artwork that sold, um, like there's artworks that sell for millions of dollars and a lot of people will look at it and go, oh, that looks like painted for a child, by well, a child. I actually did art in high school and we studied like the urinal. Okay. Urinal. Yep. <laughs> yeah. There's a urinal, which actually I thought it was a joke, but as I studied yep. it, it actually was quite fascinating. Is that, um, Marcel Duchamp? Yeah. 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 And I actually liked studying him. It was very interesting, but a lot of people, I guess because then it was very revolutionary, but it is a very unusual thing to study. You well, know that's the I mean? thing. It was like, and at first when I first saw it, I was like, "How could this be?" Yeah. Even I know art's subjective, but how can this be art? Yeah. But once I read into it, the meaning behind it, I was like, "This is actually really fascinating." Yeah. This is the kind of art. Yeah. And most people don't read into that stuff, and so yeah. So once you, um, so yeah, what you're talking about, art is something that you take and you make it your own. It mm. could be the most simplest thing. Um, but however you take it and make it, make it your own, your own style, or even if you put it in a different position or you move it now, how creative and bananas you want to get with it is completely up to you. But yeah, creative, creativity is one of those amazing things where it, it is hard to put a price on it. Mm. But, um, over time, if you keep working on your craft, you build confidence in what your things are worth and slowly. Yeah, you know, and you start every time you get a sponsorship and you get paid, that's a reference that backs up that you're good what you do. Yeah. So you get three, four, five sponsorships. Now that can build inner confidence because you go, look, oh, I'm going to charge $1,000 for this. And if you have that imposter monster going, no, you're not worth $1,000. Actually, I am because I've yeah. had four or five sponsorships. They were all happy with what they got. Yeah. And so building that muscle almost. Well, I think also one of the biggest things that a lot of young people will ask, you know, or, or talk about when they talk about art, or creativity is that, you know, it's not good enough. What if I make a mistake? What if this? What if that? 
But then you look at some things that get a lot of traction, like you look at the banana, you know, that's taped to the wall and that gets so much controversy for selling Mm. for $150,000 or whatever. But a lot of the time I feel like art is about creating a conversation and sometimes it's about dividing people where people hate it and they love it. Like sometimes the more controversial what you create, you can be more successful. So if people are commenting on your drawings on social media and saying, oh, you know, you can't draw or that's that's a bad illustration or that's a bad painting or your creativity is not good, maybe that's not a bad thing. Mm. Maybe maybe if you've got some people that love what you create and some people hate it, maybe that's not too bad because maybe you have your niche group of followers who will support you to the end. Yeah. And, and look, they say if you're not getting hate, then you're doing something wrong. That's it. That's yeah. it. So I think for young people to really understand that it as you get more and more popular, it's it's bound to happen. Mm. And a lot of the time the hate is not even real. It's just someone who might be bored and they yeah. think this will be funny to say. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a contrarian. I'm going to say something different yeah. to everybody else because I want a bit of attention or whatever the reason. Mm. Um, but don't let that stop you from pursuing your creativity. 100%. So – Going into a little bit more, I guess, about art. Yep. I didn't want to make this conversation too specific to art, more around creativity. Okay. Um, I wanted to fire a few questions at you. Sure. Um, and, it, and our first question will be around creativity and another question about art. Uh, and the first question was, I don't know if you remember, but for me, HSC and final year of high school, our English exam was multiple choice, yep. essays, and then creative writing. Okay. And the way that I was taught, I know most people my age were taught, was um, do it in a certain order, and it was always creative writing was last. And you, you, whatever time you have left, you focus on your creative writing, which I think is backwards because, it's in my opinion, to me, but yeah. <laughs> in my opinion, that should be the most important piece mm. of English. Yeah, not memorizing essays or doing some short answer questions, but the mm. creative writing piece. Mm. And so, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think school needs to push creativity more than they currently are? I think probably the difficult thing with creativity is it's one of the hardest things to mark, and it's hardest things to yes. for people to put their hands around and that's what makes it so beautiful um a great example sorry just jump in yep so i did in in new south wales you can get into art express oh yep which is like the, the top artworks um in your year 12 class yeah so we do two years of art and you make a major you work on a major project so i did a video because i was into filmmaking and i got into art express oh wow awesome. however when my teachers marked it out of 50 i got like a 32 but then they sent it to the government and the government marked it i got a 50 out of 50 and it's just like, oh, my God, yeah. how can you be so different? Mm. Those marks are unbelievable. And I was gutted when I got 30 out 32 because I put so much work into that. And yeah. so to have it redeemed with the, the professionals yeah. rating it, it was such a, like, big thing. And that almost, as you mentioned, it wasn't a hate comment, but that mark really almost shattered me. Yeah. Well, I've I've in year 11, I got an E in art. Wow. You know? And I'm a full-time artist yeah. now. Yeah, wow. <laughs> you know, so I, I got an E in my art because um, – and in year 12, I did okay because I had a different teacher. Um, but different teachers and different art teachers have a different way of approaching things mm. and different way of – so my biggest issue when I was younger, which I never knew really, was I have lazy eyes. So both of my eyes don't work together. My right eye is stronger. A lot of people have lazy eye. They use one eye more than the other. And one of the downsides of that is you don't have a great amount of depth perception. Mm. One of the advantages of that is that when you're working on an artwork like detail, you can get a lot of detail because you'll see someone when they're drawing something and if it's a very small, fine amount of detail, what they'll usually do is they'll cover one eye. Mm. And the reason for that is because 
when you're using both your eyes to look at something, you're, you're creating that three dimension. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you look at something with one eye, you're seeing it specifically as it is. Um, and that's why a lot of people will struggle with drawing faces when they're using both eyes is because they're like, oh, there's the eye there. You know, it mm. confuses you, right? And when I was at school, we were doing things like drawing landscapes with depths and different things like that, and I just couldn't do it. Mm. Um, and I couldn't get my head around it, and there was things in that style that didn't really work for me. So that's where I lost marks or I struggled with or some teachers said, oh, no, he's not good at art. But that just wasn't my style of creativity. Um, but, yeah, now I make a living as an artist. Yeah, so. it's ironic, isn't it? I think um, you know, big lesson on this show is school marks, nothing that happens in school dictates where you're going to go in life. Mm, 100%. You know, work out of school, get good marks, great. Mm. You know, good good for you. That's that's really good. But if you get bad marks, don't let that define you as a person, and don't let your good marks define you as a person either. Yeah. A lot of people get really good marks and they enter the university and they enter the workforce and they go, "Wow, this is harder than I thought it was going to be," because yeah. they thought they were really smart because of school. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, like everyone wants to come first in the competition, but when you look at it, like I think Australian Idol, I think Guy Sebastian came second, and he's arguably more. More popular than Shannon Noel, who came first. So, and there was another one, the magi- the magician, uh, Cosentino, right? Magician. He, he came second, second and he yeah. was way more famous way, than yeah. the guy. There so sometimes, some- if you don't, if some people, like we we're saying before, if some people don't like your work or you're not appealing to everybody, sometimes that's good because your creativity might appeal to a smaller percentage of the population, but they just love it. They want to mm. buy it. Yeah. So even if you get a bad mark in school, it doesn't mean. It's bad. You, you've mm. got to have a bit of an intelligence. And so if everyone's saying it's bad, then maybe, you know, have, have a look at it. Yeah. But if you're just getting a few people here saying it's bad, some people saying it's good, then it's probably good because art's subjective. And so yeah. these, it is good for these people, but it's bad for these people. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I think art is probably one of the hardest things for people to mark. And yeah, at that age, it's hard to have that confidence to be like, okay, I'm going to still. Yeah. Like I've always loved art and always wanted to do it but there's been so many periods where i didn't say oh i'm gonna quit Mm. but i just sort of stopped for periods because i was demotivated or disheartened for whatever reason so i i mentally sort of quit but then i just kept gravitating back to it because it was like well i enjoy this so it's your passion yeah and i think it took a long time like there was a period where i thought i want to draw what i want to draw i want to paint what i want to paint um, I want to do it in my own style, which you sort of do need to stay true to, but you have to sort of bend a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to try some projects that are a little bit outside of my comfort zone. Um, and whether I hate them or love them, I'll learn from them. And I've done some, I, I did one really well paying project, um, that I absolutely hated, <laughs> you know, you but after it? that, yeah, I hated the did project. They like it? They, the client loved it. It just wasn't for me. It yeah, was right. tedious. It was just it just creatively everything. Um, but after that, I okay, I'm not going to do that again. Mm. I've got the money from it, and I was like, okay, I learned my lesson. I'd prefer to take a little bit less money and have something where I have my creative input and I can do it. Yes, you're more aligned. Yeah, like obviously you want to keep the client happy, um, and you don't want to be so arrogant in creating stuff and saying, I only do this and I only do it that way. You of have course. to sort of um, walk that line a little bit. But um, – yeah, it's just sort of being in the middle somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, as I mentioned, we'll throw some questions at you. Yep. Um, sure. So first question was, I know you get this quite a bit, but when you're doing an artwork and you're painting and yep. you make a mistake, what do you do then? Because it's not like a pencil and you can just rub it out. Like how do you fix mistakes like that? 
So with mistakes, I think it's normal to make mistakes and sometimes the best thing about making mistakes is it can actually improve the artwork. Mm. Now, I don't think there's been many times where I've actually made a mistake and it's completely destroyed the artwork. I think it's more a case of the fear of making mistakes. Mm. Um, but if you want to create an artwork that is very unusual and something that people have never seen before, you have to try things that people have not done before. Mm. Um, so you can't be playing it too safe. Um, so with painting, it is a little bit easy. You can sort of paint over it. If you use a lot of the ink illustrations that I'll do, once you sort of committed the ink to the paper, that's it. Um, so I spend a little bit of time in preparation, but I would say just make mistakes. You know, mistakes are normal because even if you get to the end of the artwork and you go, oh, I absolutely hate that, and you spend all this time on it, you've learned that lesson, and then from the next artwork, you know what to do. Embrace it's, mistakes. Yeah, it's the best education. Do you think everyone starting to learn and switch to an iPad art, do you think that could affect them because it's so easy to cover everything up? You'll never make mistakes and you'll never kind of have that, um, what you're mentioning. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I have, I've never done digital art. I see a lot of people talk about it and say, um, the client that I'm doing an artwork for now, um, said, Oh, wouldn't it be easier for you to do the illustration on a computer and then you can just change the colors around? And I mentioned to him, I said, I actually like to try to figure it out on the actual piece of paper. Mm. So it is a different way of working. Um, Making mistakes, I feel like, is a really, really fast way to learn um, and become a better artist and try to navigate um, once you get halfway through an artwork and you think you've ruined it. If you can save that artwork, it is the best feeling ever. Yeah, yeah. Because then you're like, okay, I had an artwork recently that did really, really well online and I spent two months on it and about halfway through it, I had spent all this time detailing the, the aspects of it. And then I pulled out um, a few swatches and said, you know, drew some blue on it, blue ink, and I was putting it next to it. And I thought, oh, okay, this blue looks like it'll be a really good background. And so then I started to add the blue. But what I hadn't thought of was the volume of blue. And as I added more and more of the blue, the blue overpowered the entire drawing. And once I did it, I was like, I've just ruined the artwork. Yeah, because, wow. well, now it's all all the background's blue. It should have really been like a very soft blue, but this blue was like a vibrant and for about a week, I was looking at it and I'm just like, you know, like I spent all this time. I'd spent like a month on an artwork. And so then I thought to myself, okay, maybe what I can do is go over it. I need to get rid of the blue. So the only thing I could do is go over it with black and leave the parts of the blue sort of like bordering mm. all the things, right? So I went over it with the black and it actually improved the artwork. Yeah. And everyone online was like, I posted it on TikTok and Instagram and said, this is what happened and explained the whole process. And they were like, wow, that actually looks like we thought you planned that. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I planned it. Because people, <laughs> people want to see what goes on inside the mind of an artist. What, you know, what, yeah, what, so the what mistakes, are you show the mistakes. Yeah, show, show vulnerable. Yeah, like show, show your process. I feel like as an artist, show, show the creation of the artwork. Don't just show um, the finished masterpiece. So the most important thing when it comes to creativity, art, photography, that sort of stuff, as an artist, as a photographer, when it comes to TikTok, 
your photo and your art is the not important. It's yeah. the builder. Yeah. What you have here is a builder. Yeah. And so when you're creating art, if you just show the art, people are just gonna be like, "Oh, that's cool, bang, done." Yeah. They've seen it. But if you show the build up, you know, you close ups, you know, you're building it up, you kind of you tease them and you, you see parts of it, and then they pan out, and then you get to see the final product. Yeah. They'll stick for the whole video. It's gonna be satisfying, and then they're gonna leave a comment. Same goes with photography. You don't see photographers take a photo and show it because yeah. then they'll just scroll. They'll be like, they'll show behind the scenes. They'll have, they'll have the behind the scenes camera of taking a photos of how people are all posing and everything. And then you say, wait till the end, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then they finish with a photo. Well, you can even show um, a very small section of an artwork. Like I saw something online that was interesting and it was a guy had a palette and he had these different colors. You might have seen it. And he was looking at a, a leaf or something, and he was just matching the color. And he mm. was putting, you know, blue and then green, and then and he was just creating that exact same color. And that was just one facet of doing a painting. Mm. But that was satisfying to watch because you were seeing how that color was made. And he's putting it next to it, and you're like, wow. And it, to to a lot of people, you look at it and you go, oh, that's exactly the same color. And he goes, no, I need a little bit more blue. And then mm. you're like, oh, now oh, it matches. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now it's exactly the same. So a lot of the time when we are working on something. We feel like it's boring. We feel like, oh, look, our life's boring. I couldn't make a video every day because people don't care. But that's the beauty of creativity is you can turn the most boringest thing and make it interesting mm. if you're a little bit creative and if you spend a little bit of time and go, okay, I'm going to talk about this small little niche thing that yeah. I do in the morning. Awesome. You know? And um, yeah, no, I love it. And the other question before I get into my final question is – do you think you need to be a marketer first and an artist second or an artist first and a marketer second? Um, that is a very good question. And I would say I would say you would need to be an artist first. Well, I believe there's probably both sides of the spectrum yeah. that are successful. There's, there are people that there are artists out there that I would probably say they are more of a marketer and they create very interesting works and they have a very sort of analytical business approach mm. to art. And then there are other people that you might call more artist hippies. I'd probably be more on that side. I'm not a hippie, but I'd be yeah, more yeah. on that side that have learnt some of the marketing skills and ha are interested in how people work. Mm. Um, so I think it's just working with your whatever feels most natural to you, but you do definitely need to learn. You either need to learn how to market your art or if you can, you need to pay someone to market your yeah. art. Yeah, but the thing is, you can't pay someone until you've got marketing. To <laughs> That's it. And if you're a maybe if you're a prodigy and for some, you know, or if you have a massive amount of money at sixteen, maybe yeah. you can do that. But for a majority of us, it's beneficial to learn marketing skills. A hundred percent. Even not for art, just for no, life. Life. Yeah, I agree. I think marketing. We need to start teaching that as a doesn't have to be in high school, but just get that across. Marketing is one of the most valuable skills you can have. It's the yeah. only reason. You know, you guys, it's the only reason you're here. It's the only reason yeah, whoever's 100%. listening, listening right now, you're listening to the podcast. 100%. I somehow marketed to you, whether it was through TikTok, Instagram, maybe a friend told you, but they found it through TikTok or whatever it is. Yeah. That was through marketing skills. And on the surface, the people who look like they're not trying are the ones who are putting in the most work. If it yeah. looks like I just cut up clips and post posts on TikTok, 
looks like nothing, but yeah, it's I'd a guarantee lot of you work. it's a lot of work yeah. and years of video skills, and I've developed captioning, all that stuff I had to come up with, especially because it's not many people are doing my strategy. Yeah. Um, and so the easier look, you know, the duck floating on the water, yeah, it's gliding on the water beautifully, but underneath it, its legs are frantically yeah, moving. Yeah. yeah um, so yeah, I think having some marketing skills, and you don't have to get university; you can just YouTube, as we mentioned. Mm. You can, it doesn't have to be crazy, you know, full degree. Just some basic social media skills and understanding of how the platforms work, how people think, headlines, all that sort of stuff. The build-up, as I mentioned, understanding the build-up. Yeah. Wanting into those sort of stuff. I find it really fun. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's interesting because you can even just try it in social settings with your family. Um, like a lot of I – th- I feel like a lot of artists sometimes will think of marketing as this – evil thing where you're trying to extract money and yeah. you know there there are a lot of charlatans online who are you know trying to sell you different things that heaps you know so there is a, a large portion of that obviously ignore that look at people who have created something who you admire um but it is good just for your own confidence to be able to develop skills to explain your artworks to people even just to your friends or family and make them interested in it and say yeah. this is why I spent this much time on this painting or this drawing or this is why this art piece, this acting thing that I'm doing, this is what this performance is about. Mm. Um, And being able to explain that eloquently is a skill that um, will help you throughout your whole life. And even when you're old and you're explaining to your grandchildren, you know, what you're interested in stuff, being able to hold people's attention. That's marketing. Yeah, that's marketing. Marketing isn't just Coke or like a a Pepsi ad or something. Marketing is your brand, your personal brand, your reputation. Yeah, that's marketing. You know who who you're ca- who you are as a character. Yeah, and so whenever, as you mentioned, when you meet someone, how can you articulate your message? Mm. How well is that? That's marketing. How good is your pitch? That's yeah. kind of marketing and stuff. But when we say marketing, we think of uh, those charlatans online. We think of big corporations, Nike, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Whereas really, it's a lot more hidden than that. Yeah. And more subtle. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. how we need to be doing it. Definitely. Um, but before I wrap up the episode, I have one final question. I ask every guest this yep. question. It's <laughs> basically, what would your number one piece of advice be for the younger generation? It can be anything. doesn't have to be related to what we spoke about. Number one piece of advice. Um, my number one piece of advice would be um, if you want to pursue a creative career, I would say utilize online and just focus on the numbers just focus on doing the repetition Mm. so focusing on drawing every day waking up every day putting out the content just just focus on that don't focus on the end result or the artwork just focus on doing the numbers and over time you'll the repetition you will get better you'll get better put in the reps yeah um it might take a year it might take 10 i'm 38 i've only been a full-time artist for about seven years Mm. so it might take a long time but if that's what you want, just focus yeah. on it. Yeah, and leverage what we call the audience of none, which is what would you do to an audience of zero people? Yeah. If you go and expecting to get millions of views and like be famous and build your brand, yeah. don't set that expectation. Just create art because you want to create art. Mm. Just do what you want to do because you want to do it. Yes. Or, th- or, re- or reposition it. You're not doing this to build your brand. You're doing this because you want to build your portfolio. Yeah. You know, you're, you're building art, you're building your portfolio, and you're building your brand at the same time, and you're just doing it for those reasons as opposed to to get eyeballs or to yeah. get many views or yeah. likes. You or don't whatever. need to go viral. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to go viral. I get the comment of 
um, on TikTok, sometimes people are saying, oh, you're so underrated. I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, uh, thanks for the compliment. I love it. But it's, you know, there is a downside to getting 5 million views because, you know, you have to deal with a lot of other things that are happening as well. And it's cool to have your nice niche community. Mm. And if you're living off it, I'm thankful for that. Well, James, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And for anyone interested in connecting with you, finding out more, following you, seeing what art you actually do, yep. where's the best place to go? Um, well, I'm James Patrick. So on TikTok, I'm James Patrick Art. I think most places, if you search James Patrick Art, you'll be able to find me. Yep. And I'll link that all in the podcast description. Otherwise, awesome. thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening to this entire episode. That is crazy you decided to stick around for so long. I hope you got some value out of that episode. And I just wanted to let you know, if you are enjoying the show, but you want to take your learning to the next level, I'm running a six-week coaching program specifically for the listeners of this show. Over six weeks, we cover how I have grown my network and met so many amazing people, how to organize your money and invest. I help you figure out what you want to do with your life and give you some career guidance. We do goal setting and set you up with some awesome goals and so much more. I keep these groups very very, very small so you all get some one-on-one time with me personally and if you're interested and want to find out more or apply just go to www.drivenyoung.com forward slash coach that is www.drivenyoung.com forward slash coach the link is in the show notes below otherwise thank you so much for listening to this episode it's so awesome you stayed all the way to the end i love you and all the best